welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitians podcast. Today you are joined by your hosts, as always, Tiara and Jack. And thank you so much for tuning in for what is now our 20th episode. Pretty damn exciting that we've already made it to 20. And yeah, so we'll just get straight into it. This last week has been awesome, especially the last weekend. So I'm going to hand over to Jack and he's going to give you a rundown of what happened. Yeah, so two days ago on Sunday was the ICN Rookie Titles, and that was held at the Sunshine Coast at Lake Kiwana. And yeah, it was a really, really awesome show. Very, very high standard across all all divisions. So um, yeah, the standard just keeps getting better and better every single year. It's crazy. Mm. So yeah, we got there just in time to watch the bodybuilding, fortunately. Yeah, everyone just looked epic, great conditioning all around. So yeah and our client that so we had one client there on the day his name was oliver and he was doing men's physique probably seen a lot on our instagrams and yeah we accomplished what we set out to do which was really great he came first in first timers division and the novice division as well and he also placed for all the other open categories as well so yeah it was just amazing like when oliver walked out on stage for the first time jack and i were just like holy shit, he's done it. Like, it was just insane seeing him up there. And I think one of the coolest thing was um, when he when he won his first place trophy for first timers, uh, Jason, who's the ICN president, called out. He's like, do you have a coach? And then Oliver, like, you know, waved his hands. And then Jack and I both jump up from our seats and, like, jump up on the stage. I <laughs> I hit my knee on the stage. I now have like a big bruise or on my shin. <laughs> anyway, and then Jason was like, coaches. And I was like, hell yeah, coaches. <laughs> um, anyway, we both got to jump up there on the podium with him and get an awesome picture with him with his medal. And damn, that was just so freaking cool. First client ever right up there on the first place podium. So that was just epic. Mm, and props to everyone else as well on the day. Like, especially men's physique, like everyone looked awesome. Conditioning was great all round as well. Yeah, everyone was great posing as well. So yeah, like we said before, the standard just keeps getting better and better every year. And it's at that point where like across all divisions, bodybuilding, men's physique, girls bikini, whatever, you know, probably five years ago or so, fifth place would have been in first place now. Like, it's, I don't know, it just keeps getting better and better. But yeah, on the day, it was just so damn cool to meet everyone and catch up with everyone and especially people that, you know, we know from social media, but we've never actually met in real life. Just like, and shout out to everyone who spoke to us and gave us compliments on the podcast and all the people that listen. Like, we really, really appreciate it. And it was just so cool to finally talk to everyone in real life. Mm, Definitely. And yeah, we also have a show this weekend as well on Saturday, the Brisbane Classic. So one of Tierra's clients, Kate, will be... Yeah, so Kate will be competing in the fitness category and she'll also be doing sports model as well. And she is looking so damn good. And I'm just so excited for her to get up there and just have fun with it. Mm, yeah, it's going to be an amazing experience again. So can't wait. Yeah, it should be epic. And Oliver will be competing at that show again too. Yep. Cool. So, Jack, has anything else been up for you in this past week? 
Not really. That was probably the highlight of my last week, but I also started my training back to normal again. So I just finished a deload and I trained legs yesterday. And yeah, just starting another block of training. So volume is lower and that'll build up incrementally across the week, across the training block. Yeah, epic. I'm so glad that we took our deload last week because after being at the show this weekend, motivation is so high. It would have been a real struggle to go to that show and then enter a deload. So I think we're both pretty damn motivated and refreshed to train hard. On that note, I've actually, I'm um, just today, I've actually started a mini cut. Well, I've, I'll be running a cut for the next eight weeks or so because I am now 291 days out from my first show with IFBB next year. So that will be next year, mid-February. So damn excited. I've been looking forward to this for so long and planning well ahead. But yeah, so my plan of attack essentially is that I'm starting a eight-week cut now because I'm sitting at around 70 kilograms and just to do a cut so that I can then have after this eight weeks a good two months to maintain slash build a little bit more and just seek out my last little bit of gains. <laughs> Hoping over these next eight weeks, I'll probably drop anywhere between five to six kilograms. So get down to around 65, 64 kilograms. Just clean things up a bit because I've never been this heavy before in my life. I think I'm holding it pretty well, but pretty damn excited to just, you know, lean down a little bit and then get in a better condition to start my prep. And I'm going to be starting my prep 25 weeks out, and that starts on the 31st of August. So yeah, that will be freaking epic. So 25-week prep until the first show for IFBB mid-February. And it's going to be a long season, but man, I'm ready for it because first show's in February, and then I've got a whole entire month because I want to compete at the Arnold Classic as well, and that runs from the 20th to the 22nd of March, so I've got a whole month there. And then after that, I want to do the ICN shows as well and compete in fitness. I want to do AWNBS too, and then those aren't until May, so then I've got another month and a half between IFBB and those shows, so... Frick, it's going to be a long competition season, but I'm so excited. There's going to be a hell of a lot of diet breaks in there. And the reason why I'm starting like 25 weeks out is because I want to be ready early so that hopefully I can eat up into the show and just feel better leading into the show. And yeah, I'm ready for this. I've been working toward this so like for so long now and taking a two year, two year break from the stage to actually improve upon my physique and Frick, I'm so excited to see the changes. I just, I want to look like a completely different person up there. Yeah, and I'm sure you will. Thanks. <laughs> All right, so I guess we will jump into the questions now. Yep, so we got a few listener questions this week, and I thought a good one to start on would be one about motivation. So this one's by Woodia, and it is, uh, can you touch on discipline mindset when approaching a goal that has many small steps to get there? So I'll touch on motivation versus, I guess, forming habits and discipline. So 
motivation I find will only serve you for so long until eventually motivation comes in peaks and troughs. So some days you'll wake up and it won't be there. Some days you'll be ready to go. And like watching this show from Sunday is an example of when our motivation will be sky high because comparing ourselves to a lot of people, seeing what others have accomplished and that stokes our competitiveness as well. But as soon as that dips down, then you have to rely on habits and just general discipline to, and I guess just enjoyment for it as well, just to keep yourself going. So like, it's sort of like brushing your teeth when you get up in the morning, you just do it. You don't think about it. And I hope you do it. <laughs> and I, I think that's how, once you do something for long enough, that's how you sort of get into it with training and nutrition. You just sort of do it. Doesn't really require any mental effort to um, actually get those things done. So what do you think, Tiara? Yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. So yeah, like Jack said, there's motivation. And for example, going to a bodybuilding show would be a good source of external motivation. But then there's also internal motivation too, which is motivation which, which comes from within you. But yeah, it is going to come in peaks and troughs. And you really just if you have a goal, sometimes you just have to tick boxes some days and just get things done so that you can keep progressing and keep moving toward that goal. So yeah, I would definitely, if, for example, if you have a big goal, don't try to change everything at once. Like make small little incremental goals towards that one big goal so that it's more realistic and you're more likely to achieve it and that so that you don't just become so overwhelmed like if someone was 100 kilograms and wanted to get down to 60 kilograms and they tried to change you know their diet all at once and their training all at once and their lifestyle all in like one day or one week they just become overwhelmed it'd be too much training changes for them and they're more likely to quit so just break it up into small incremental steps and you're more likely to get there yeah i agree Mm -hmm. all right so this next question is from lloyd and it says bodybuilding any need to train between the one to six rep range Now, this is a good question because in Eric Helms' books, The Muscle and Strength Pyramids, he actually answers this question. And for bodybuilders, our main goal is hypertrophy. So two-thirds of our training volume should actually be within the 6 to 12 rep range. But that means that the remaining one-third of our training volume can be within that 1 to 6 rep range and then also the 12 to 20 rep range. So in answering your question, there certainly you, there certainly is still a time and place to train between the one to six rep range, but I would still steer toward that higher end. Like as a bodybuilder, you're not really going to get that much out of, you know, performing one rep maxes or, you know, doubles and triples. I would go higher towards that six, the number six. And for things like that, you definitely be wanting to do your compounds. So things like squats, deadlifts you know heavy overhead press Mm. Um, yeah you don't need to do a cable fly for two reps yeah exactly yeah i don't know what the hell you get out of that (laughs) i don't know if anyone even counts their like one rm cable flies but when you think about a training program this makes sense like for some of your big compounds you know for things like squats you will be working closer to that six rep range but then you'll probably be moving up to the eight 
10, maybe even 12. That is, I don't know, sometimes that really tests your cardiovascular system if you're going up to 12 reps on squats. <laughs> um, but then also the majority of your training probably is within that 6 to 12 rep range. And then for other exercises, think of things like cable flies. Think of things like lateral raises. Those would more likely be in that rep range of 12 to 20. What do you think about that, Jack? Yeah, I agree. I think overall you should be trying to increase in strength across all your rep ranges. So say if like lateral raises or cable fly or pec deck or any sort of accessory movement, I see a lot of people, they, they sort of just go through the motions on those because they've done all like the heavy stuff like squats, deads, um, like barbell rows, and then they get to those movements and they sort of just get a pump. Whereas I would still try to recommend... Uh, trying to progress strength-wise and always trying to progress across all your movements, um, not just getting heavily focused on the compounds. Obviously, they are the most important, but you still want to progress in everything. Yeah, and especially remember that volume, like total training volume, is really what's going to contribute to muscle hypertrophy the most. So it's going to be really hard to build up a large amount of volume if you are doing like doubles and triples. Hmm. Cool. All right. So the next question, does taking, uh, this was asked by Jack and it says, does taking creatine and caffeine simultaneously reduce the effect that creatine has? Uh, no. Yeah. I've never heard of this. <laughs> yeah. So creatine is a protein. So it's un very unlikely that drinking, uh, yeah, coffee or caffeine will influence it. Like the only, the tannins in the coffee, like do have a suppression of absorption for some things, but I heavily doubt it'll take into account creatine. No, not, not for creatine. No. And, and it's actually, yeah, I'd say you're totally fine there. If you consume creatine, like a lot of people would consume their creatine with their pre-workout or with their coffee. And there hasn't been any reports that I'm aware of that it's inhibited the absorption. Maybe mm. he thinks because sometimes people drink coffee and it speeds up, you know, gastrointestinal um, <laughs> motility. Um, yeah, I think I think there would definitely be something in the literature because everyone drinks. Well, a lot of people. Well, for example, creatine's in a lot of pre workouts, and a lot of people have creatine with their pre workout. So uh -huh. yeah, I I know. No. I'd say you're, you're safe. Creatine is one of those things you can drink any time of the day, really. So just go for it. All right. So next question. Is there any evidence that insulin resistant individuals may benefit from a lower carb diet? And this was asked by Coach Stock Stockton. All right. So most ins insulin resistant individuals are overweight. And when we are overweight, we have an excess amount of adipose tissue. And when you have an excess amount of adipose tissue or fat, what this produces is it signals for pro-inflammatory cytokines. So these cytokines are in our bloodstream and they cause inflammation. Now what these um, cytokines can do is they can enter your cells, so they can enter your muscle cells, they can enter your fat cells, and what they do is they block the cascade of events that causes the insulin receptor to actually come to the cell surface. So essentially you have a blocking of those events and then because that insulin receptor or and GLUT4 isn't coming to the cell surface, you can't 
take in carbohydrates or you can't take in glucose into your muscle cells. Thus, you have elevated blood glucose levels. And also remember, insulin is responsible for shuttling fatty acids into cells as well. So you don't only need insulin for glucose, you need it for fat too. So essentially, insulin resistance, it doesn't, it doesn't really come down to what sort of macronutrient you're eating. It's more that you're just chronically in an energy surplus. You're probably overweight. And your best bet is to just lose some weight. So you'll need to do this through a calorie deficit and also through an increase in energy expenditure. Yeah, and especially the energy expenditure because in order to store glucose as glycogen, uh, you do need insulin. However, the only um, disclaimer to this is when you do exercise. So when you exercise, the GLUT4 receptors still come to the cell surface and you are able to absorb glucose, whereas usually insulin would be doing this action. So yeah. Yeah, that's why exercise is so awesome, especially for type 2 diabetics, because they can take up more blood glucose and more like fatty acids as well into their cells. So but yeah, to answer your question a bit more directly, uh, no, low carb diets are more effective because as Tierra said, you still need um, insulin for fatty acids um, to be absorbed and stored. So yeah, if you were doing a lower carb diet, it would be higher fat. So mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. So just you need to be in an energy deficit. And they've shown this in the literature as well. They've manipulated different types of macronutrient splits on individuals. But as long as they're in an energy deficit, they all have improvements in their insulin sensitivity. And yeah, there's less insulin resistance and there's less inflammation. So calorie deficit and regular exercise and you're good to go. So the next question is by Naturally Nina and she asks, is there any evidence of health implications, positive or negative, of weight cycling? Hmm. So what would you say to this one? So I would say it depends on the individual and to the, um, I guess, the how extreme they do those periods of weight cycling. So if we look at someone who is just doing a normal diet, who might be a little bit overweight and does a diet and loses about 10 kilos and then they might creep up again another five kilos which is quite normal for people who try and do especially if they're doing keto or something yeah exactly and then versus someone who's like a bodybuilder or bikini athlete who loses like 10 to 15 kilos and goes to an extreme level of body fat and then gains pretty much all of that weight back hopefully in a like relatively slowly Mm so I would say to start off with the second one, you do have negative implications for hormones across males and females. And yeah, being at extreme levels of body fat, I wouldn't say is healthy at all. It's not, it's not healthy. You're, there is a potential to limit your intake of nutrients if you're at a low energy intake. And yeah. Yeah, the major hormone there of concern would be testosterone levels, but also thyroid hormone as well. So one, testosterone is an incredibly important hormone for muscle protein synthesis. And then also thyroid hormone is responsible for metabolism in essentially every single one of our cells. And thyroid hormone usually contributes around 30% to resting metabolic rate. And with a decrease in like 
major decreases in body weight and major restrictions with calories, you will see very significant decrements in both of these in thyroid hormone and also testosterone. And I guess almost like just as importantly as well as the psychological implications as well. And obviously you have an extreme amount of food focus and some competitors do get um, not necessarily eating disorders, but disordered eating, mm-hmm. which is the precursor to eating disorders. And yeah, it's not nice and it's not particularly healthy either. So No, not at all. It's so distracting. You just have such a preoccupation with food and you can't you can't focus on anything else and it doesn't make life as enjoyable. But yeah, mm. I definitely agree with Jack. There's such a huge psychological component there. And yeah, when we look at the, I guess, the more average individual who is just doing a typical weight loss, I don't think there's any real negative health implications to that. Depends what weight loss protocol they do. And if they do it safely, then yeah. yeah. And I think in that case, it would be positive. If you have an overweight individual, then they're going to reap huge positive health health implications from actually losing weight and getting into a healthier weight range. So that's going to be a huge positive. So yeah, there's definitely two ends of the spectrum, but it really depends on the client and the individual and their specific circumstance. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, especially what sort of diet they do, like are they getting in their all their essential nutrients and things yeah. like that. And I guess you could throw in there also like um, adaptive thermogenesis and metabolic adaptation too. For example, if someone is just chronically on low calories, again, they will have those low levels of thyroid hormone and testosterone, but also they'll find that their body is just so efficient that they might have trouble increasing their calories to a decent amount without actually storing body fat. So if you have someone who's chronically dieting on 1,500 calories or below, and then they just even try to increase their calories to like 1,700, 1,800, and they find their body, because it's so sensitive to nutrients, especially fat, that it just wants to gain weight, they might really struggle, and they'll really struggle psychologically with that too. Yeah. All right. So this next question is from May. Um, She goes to the UQ gym. Thanks for your question. This is another one about creatine. She said, Hi, Tiara. Would love some tips on choosing creatine and the myth that creatine makes you bloat. So the first one's pretty simple. I'd say just any creatine monohydrate. Um, It's pretty cheap. You can find it essentially anywhere. Um, But yeah, creatine monohydrate would be the one and the most popular one that you would buy for creatine. Yeah, definitely. There's no need to get all that fancy stuff. You're just paying more money for it. Microhydrolyzed <laughs> creatine. <laughs> and yeah, the I guess the myth that stems from bloating, it would probably be more from that creatine does make you hold water. Like it's a very small amount and it's almost not noticeable. Like I would say it's more noticeable on the scale. Like you do, mm. the scale weight obviously increases. It's not fat, it's just water. Yeah, exactly. But that's that's beneficial because muscles are like 70% water or something. The majority of muscle tissue is water. And that's why when you're hydrated, your muscles look full and you look bigger. And it also helps to shuttle more nutrients in there too. So you actually want hydrated muscles and creatine helps to hydrate your muscles. But also this does say creatine makes you bloat. So I usually interpret bloating as to do with the stomach and you know the whole gastrointestinal system. 
I haven't actually heard anecdotally that creatine makes anyone bloat. No, um, I have. Oh, really? Yeah. Like there is, there are some individuals who may not respond well, just like any sort of supplement really. Mm. So even, yeah, everyone responds to things differently. And if you do have gastrointestinal distress, then maybe just trial it for a small period. If it continues, then if you want to take the, like the drawback of having some distress, um, then that's up to you. But Oh, wow. It's more of a personal choice. Okay, cool. Well, that, now we know that. So if it does make you bloat, then I'm sorry to hear that. Um, but yeah, generally for most people, yeah, you'll just hold on to a little bit more. It's hardly anything. A few hundred grams maybe extra of fluid, but who really notices that? And you look fuller. You look better. And creatine, the like if you even interpret that as a negative of you know retaining a little bit more water creatine has a hell of a lot more positive benefits on strength and performance and cognition so i think it's worth it mm, yeah sweet all right so this next question is from kez kzpt coaching oh, thank you very much <laughs> And it says, how do you rotate your food with clients or do you prefer IFFYM? No, IIFYM. Oh, wow. I'm so <laughs> clearly I'm not an I. What, what is it again? <laughs> I should totally know this. <laughs> anyway, we'll forget Tiara said that. Okay. But, <laughs> but so I guess what we, we don't really have a set method, but we do really try and preach education to our clients and giving them enough education and knowledge to be able to make their own informed choices. So I guess we do sort of work off a version of IIFIM, but yeah, it's... It's a combination of both. One, yes, macronutrients do matter because macronutrients will um, tie into your total calorie intake, but also you want to time certain macronutrients in your meals to make sure that you're aiding recovery and performance but again, you get macronutrients from specific foods. So like Jack said, we give our clients a hell of a lot of education and we really preach variety. So for example, we'll teach them about the different types of foods that contain carbohydrates, different types of foods that contain protein and fats and make sure that they're getting a good variety in there so that they can consume a variety of nutrients every single day because we, we both follow quite a few people on social media who are accustomed to eating the exact same thing every single day. And unfortunately, you can see from their diets, at least what they share, that there really there is a lack of variety there, unfortunately. Mm, and I think this is very individualized. So someone who is just with us to lose weight without any performance goals versus someone who wants to do both. So the first per individual, we we would, it would be just different because we we would not be as worried about distribution of food around training or just distribution of protein feedings or anything like that. They would take a lesser importance. So we would try to organize their food depending on hunger. So maybe even a intermittent fasting approach where they eat most of their calories in the evening. Um, versus someone who has high training goals and performance goals, whereas we want to space out those protein feedings evenly, get carbohydrates before and after training, um, casein feeding before bed, and yeah, all those little things that build up to make a small difference. So Yeah, but I definitely, yeah, um, for example, if you have a client who their only carbohydrate source is like sweet potato, 
and white rice, and then their only vegetable source is broccoli, and their only protein source would be chicken, like, in that case, then you would have a consult with them and talk to them like, hey, let's try to introduce some more of these carbohydrate-containing foods or uh, some more of these proteins, you know? So different foods there just to increase variety. But I'd say that we don't necessarily rotate food with clients. Like, we don't say like, all right, for this next four weeks, you're only eating potato and oats. And then in the block after that, you're only going to eat rice and wheat bix or like something like this or we're not like you know for for a comp prep for example we're not like all right the last four weeks you're gonna cut out all dairy and gluten or asparagus for the diuretic <gasps> oh yeah <laughs> load up on asparagus man <laughs> um but yeah in short no we don't rotate foods we're all about variety and whatever works for an individual person and really just about health Okay, so next question is by Furkan, and he asks how to diet during Ramadan. Ram. Ramadan. <laughs> okay, so I can't say IIFYM, and I just did. <laughs> Ramadan. <laughs> Ramadan. Ramadan. <laughs> That's not it either. Okay. Yes, it is. <laughs> That's perfect. All right, what's the question? <laughs> okay, so how to diet during that period. I don't want to put on fat and still... I want to put on muscle. Okay. So for anyone who doesn't know what Ramadan is. uh, There's an N on the end, not an M. (laughs) Ramadan. (laughs) We are great at this. Okay. So if you follow this religious practice, it's, it's essentially, it's a, like, I'm pretty sure it goes for one month. And essentially the rule is that you can't eat during the daytime and Jack and I actually know we've witnessed this for years now because the people who follow this practice, they always set up out right side outside the UQ gym on this big blue tarp. And when we end, like leave the gym late at night, um, they're all there on the tarp eating all their food in the dark. But yeah, so essentially you can only eat at night in the hours of the dark. And then when it's daylight, you can't eat. So... It's really an intermittent fasting protocol, and unfortunately, it goes throughout the night, so it really is disturbing with these the sleep cycle for, like, an entire month. Mm. And, yeah, just like every answer here, it's going to be heavily individualized depending on what your training is, what your work is, like, when you want to sleep, if you want to sacrifice sleep in order to eat, whether you're able to sleep during the daytime, all of that sort of things. Because, like, I guess if you're a really hardcore bodybuilder, you would sleep during the day and train at night because then you would be able to eat. So, mm. Do you know what? Okay, what I would do is I would train, like, in the late afternoon right before it gets dark. And then right after that, I would have a feast. with, And then what I would do is sleep. And then I would set my alarm to wake up right before the crack of dawn, before the light comes up. I'd have another feast and then I would fast throughout the day, train again at night. Mm. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's probably one of the best ways to go about it. And a few things you just have to watch out for is just still prioritizing your nutrient quality because there is a trade-off between being able to fit in all your calories during that short period and also still getting in essential nutrients as well. Yeah, so I'd say, yeah, definitely focusing on, yeah, getting in a good serve of vegetables and fruits there. But because you're only having two meals, I would just literally split your calories between that post-workout meal 
and then technically your breakfast. And yeah, if you're splitting your calories there and your macros there, you're definitely going to get a sufficient amount of protein, carbohydrates, and fat in mm. both. Yeah, you can even do three meals. You can eat after your training. Um, you can eat again later that night, sleep, wake up, eat. Or you could even do three meals before you go to bed. So mm -hmm. yeah, because especially in Australia, it, uh, right now it's getting dark at, I don't know, seven or yeah. six. Yeah, and I think Ramadan, I think it's like mid-year, so it's coming up in a few... It's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's imminent, yeah. Oh, is it happening right now? No, it's imminent, it's coming up quite oh, soon. Oh, okay. Yeah. You read more books than me. <laughs> All right, cool, so I hope that helps. Oh, and the last thing as well is that it's not... Unless you're very new to training, you won't be able to put on muscle without putting on some fat as well. Yeah, that is a good point. Yep. Okay, so the next question is from um anvir and it says things you wish you knew before starting bodybuilding oh man i could have a list <laughs> pretty much everything i would say <laughs> we've just made so many mistakes <laughs> but hey you learn from your mistakes so all right what what comes to your mind so uh, let's just do the top three each so the one of the first ones would be just solidly tracking my training. So mm -hmm. putting down the weights I use, the rep scheme, having an actual plan. Because up until I started training with um, my coach, Alan, um, or my coach for my competition prep, that was the first time I started tracking what I actually used to um, do each session. So, and yeah, it does go a long way um, for just making progress strength-wise as well. The second thing would be definitely, actually, this is probably number one, not being a bitch and being too scared to eat. So I, there was a period for like two or even three years where I was hovering around the same weight. And that's for a guy, that's like the biggest way to screw yourself over with muscle gain. So especially at such a young age, because like your body's in that like hormonal position and you know, you're, you're like quite new to training too. It wants to lay down muscle. So mm. guys should take advantage of that period. Yeah. Just eat. <laughs> and I will let Tara do one of hers while I think of my next one. Um, yeah, definitely like peer. I just wish I knew about periodization, especially with training and nutrition. So like Jack said, Jesus Christ, actually tracking your training makes a world of difference because like once I actually got myself a training book and I started writing down every workout and every exercise, every set and rep that I did, my strength and my performance and my physique just literally started changing within weeks because I actually had a reference point and each um, training session I could go back and say, okay, what did I do last time? How do I want to set myself a mini goal? You know, even if it was an extra rep or an extra set in the next training session. So that has made a world of difference. And also having a plan with very specific exercises. I used to just go to the gym and be like, yeah, I'm going to train legs today. And just that's a slippery slope, honestly. Like if you want to take this seriously, you can't just train what you feel like, even if it is a certain like body part or like if you're just training lower body because I would go in there and I would do sometimes I do some squats and sometimes I do some leg press or some glute kickbacks or whatever but then the next training session would be completely different and 
I would just wish I knew before that like to actually um, start seeing hypertrophy, first you have to go through that neural adaptation phase and neural adaptations to a certain exercise movement can take up to 12 freaking weeks. So that's almost three months. And I was not doing specific exercises and progressing with them for three months on end. So I think that really held me back. I know we're both still 21. So thank God we've like sorted quite a few of these things out early. Mm. Um, But I definitely know that that held me back too. And yeah, just like Jack, not being a bitch and just like actually committing to eating more food makes a world of difference too. Yeah, and that's definitely a psychological barrier because like who doesn't want to eat more food? So unless you're someone who doesn't enjoy eating, but there are a few of those species around. So. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I think I've had quite a few consults with a few of those species. (laughs) People who just can't be bothered to eat. But yeah, essentially, luckily we're still young. We'll probably still make a hell of a lot more mistakes. I think another thing I made a big mistake was just with my macronutrients. I used to eat way too much protein and I would not eat like I was still eating a decent amount of carbs, but not nearly as many as I should have been. I was probably eating well over 200 grams, maybe like 250 grams of protein per day. I literally I would have like a massive chicken breast. And like this was before I was tracking. I thought like, oh, you know, that's probably only like 30 grams of protein. Jack's like that thing's probably like 80 grams of protein. And I'm like, really? I could eat two of these. <laughs> and throughout the whole of your prep, Tiara was using the wrong um, chicken breast reading in my fitness pal. So she was probably eating like double the amount of protein. Oh my God. But hey, I still got lean. But yeah, at least I know <laughs> from a calorie standpoint, next time I prep, I can um, distribute a lot more of those calories towards carbs and still retain the same amount of muscle mass. So yeah, I think those are a few of the mistakes we've made. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you can think of? Uh, the only other thing I can think of is maybe training with intensity, making sure like from the, I guess that things come with time. Like uh, when you're a newbie, you don't really need to train balls to the wall because like you'll get gains regardless. But another thing is for me, like similar to the protein for Tierra, I was eating way too much fat. I was having like some days 200 grams of fat a day. <laughs> And not prioritize, like I'll do those olive oil shots, which we've talked about and um, shitload of cheese. Jesus. And yeah, now I'm just obviously prioritizing carbohydrates and eating my gram per kilo body weight in fat. And yeah, there is enormous differences. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say one more thing, especially related to the training intensity Jack just alluded to. You need to track your training and just because you feel like you got a good workout doesn't mean that it was actually a productive workout because there's a difference between actually stimulating your muscles for growth and just freaking getting your heart rate up. Because for example, doing four sets of like eight reps of heavy squats and having like a good five minute rests between each is going to be a lot more productive in the long term for muscle growth compared to maybe doing half the weight for squats and then straight after that you go into like a set of 20 jumping lunges and push-ups and something like something like that I used to make that big mistake where I just wanted to get my heart rate up and I went into the gym and I jumped around and I was just like it was crazy and you know I'd, I'd leave feeling exhausted 
but my physique just didn't change and I really wasn't lifting very impressive weights. So yeah, that's another point I really want to make. Mm. So yeah, I guess we'll wrap it up there for the questions. Thanks everyone who asked asked one. And we'll get into the last bit of the podcast, which is one thing that we've learned each week. So I'll let Tierra go first. Okay. So this week I probably learned that what one person's, uh, what is the saying? Is it one person trash is another person's treasure? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, because Thanks, Colin, for that. <laughs> thank you very much, Colin, one of Jack's PTs. Anyway, so some, I don't know what the time, it's may because it's, I don't know, just the month of May here in Brisbane, everyone seems to clean out their house and throw all the stuff they don't want out on the street. And then it's curbside collection, curbside collection. Thank you very much. (laughs) I can use that. I'm from Canada and I don't know what that is. (laughs) Anyway, people throw out all their junk and then it's just a free for all. Yesterday, I was walking back from the gym and this dude on in this rich house, you know, right on my street is comes out with this big ass plasma TV. And I'm talking about big, like, like my arms span big. This is a big TV. And I'm like, oh my God, I go up to him like, does it work? And the first thing he says to me is, yeah, but it's not a smart TV. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like I don't one, I don't even know what a smart TV is. Like, I don't know if that means that it's like voice recognition or like motion recognition or like you can, I don't know, you can talk to it. 3D animation. Yeah, 3D. I was like, dude, I'm a 21-year-old student. I don't need a smart TV, all right? And then he's like, he's like, yeah. And then the second thing he said was, yeah, it's really heavy. So you're going to need like quite a few big guys to lift it. And then I was like, in my head, I was like, dude, don't underestimate me. I lift. I just got back from the gym. (laughs) Anyway, I run down the street, get my housemate, we run back down the street and pick up this huge TV and um, take it back to our house. And yeah, so I got a free TV and it's huge. I don't even watch TV, but you know, when I move out, like one day and I have a nice apartment, like I can put this big TV up there and plug in my computer or something, but it's pretty damn cool. And uh, like literally while my housemate and I were carrying this thing down the street, it wasn't even heavy. I don't know, this rich guy throwing away TVs, maybe he needs to go to the gym too. Um, (laughs) But anyway, these like three dudes with pickup trucks like uh, came beside my housemate and I. One even drove past and like reversed. And and I was like, stay back, it's ours. (laughs) Like Literally like sharks out on the street at this time of year trying to pick up all all the stuff people are giving away. But anyway, that's what I learned this week that you can get free goods people's trash can be your treasure and hell yeah i have a big plasma now for free so what did you learn <laughs> well that was probably the sixth or seventh rendition of the story i've heard and dude i've told everyone probably, about this. probably the best one so oh well. thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> so for me uh, mine's a lot shorter but yeah after watching the show on sunday sort of reiterates that the standard is in australia is really improving each season and like even i was speaking to lawrence and general muscle on instagram and he was saying that yeah even a couple of seasons ago or even when i stepped on stage last year you could have strided glutes for bodybuilding and get and get a podium finish or even come first place and like this season like pretty much everyone up there had excellent conditioning so really comes down to now symmetry and um, muscularity as well especially so 
reiterates that I really have to get my shit together and start make the most of the next two years, which I'll have in a surplus. And then, yeah, for season B 2021. Yeah, you said how many days you were out yesterday. What, what's the number? <laughs> it's around 870. So Damn. All right. Well, the countdown is on. And yeah, just a reminder, guys, please don't waste your improvement season. That's when you get big. Mm. Yeah, and especially coaching-wise, if you're unsure about any of that like i would highly recommend getting someone to even like not a full-on coach someone just to look over everything your training your nutrition making sure you're maximizing everything because by the time you start dieting you might be like crap i really could have done a bit more yeah looked after things my training and nutrition a bit better and yeah exactly yeah make the most of it all right, sweet. So we're going to wrap this up here. Thanks again so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a screenshot, tag the bodybuilding dietitians, tag myself, tag Jack, post it on your Instagram stories, and we'll catch you next week. See you next week, guys. 